Welcome to Creative Biolabs, we offer custom contract research services and products, covering the entire process of CAR T-cell therapy development. In this brand new podcast series, we will show you everything you want to know about CAR T-therapy, including the mechanism, current applications, technology limitations, and potential strategies. Hope you will enjoy it. Hi everyone, welcome to Creative Biolabs podcast series on CARTI technology and immunotherapy. Thanks for being here, this is your host Beth Miller. Our guest for today is our old friend, the journal editor in the field of immunotherapy, Dr. William Smith. Dr. Smith, thanks for joining us. Nice to meet you Beth, and thanks for inviting me to be here. In the last episode, we introduced human dendritic cells. These cells are critical for the initiation and regulation of immunity. Maintenance of tolerance at a steady state is an active process mediated by quiescent or semi-mature dendritic cells. Under inflammatory conditions, this homeostasis is disrupted. Dendritic cells undergo terminal maturation and activation, eventually eliciting an immune response. Additionally, the division of labor among different human dendritic cell subsets maintains a balance between homeostatic tolerance and antigen-specific immune stimulation against pathogens, tumors, and other insults. Today we will take an in-depth look at the application of human dendritic cells in clinical hematopoietic cell transplantation. How about we start by the connection between dendritic cells and hematopoietic cell transplantation? That is exactly what I was thinking. Dendritic cells can initiate T-cell responses to major and minor histocompatibility antigens. They are both initiators and targets of graft-host interactions in hematopoietic cell transplantation. More specifically, dendritic cells are involved in the induction of graft-versus-tumor activity and graft-versus-host disease. These are two distinct but overlapping syndromes. Dendritic cells can be activated by cytokine storms associated with pretransplant conditioning and the early peritransplantation period. Subsequently, they present major and minor histocompatibility antigens in an immunogenic manner through two independent pathways. Persistent host dendritic cells present antigens by directly linking donor T cell receptors with major histocompatibility complex molecules. In contrast, engrafting donor dendritic cells cross-present host antigens using an indirect pathway. The antigens are presented to the transplant donor T-cells in both cases. Thanks for your introduction, Dr. Smith. I've read some papers about this and found that T-cells reactive with allogeneic major histocompatibility complex have been reported to be much higher in frequency than those reactive with minor histocompatibility antigens presented by major histocompatibility complex identical individuals. Why is that? Because polymorphic residues in the major histocompatibility complex binding groove are not themselves accessible by the T-cell receptors. It affects the binding of polypeptides recognized by allogeneic T-cells. This also reinforces the antigenic effect of the major histocompatibility complex polymorphism. Donor T-cells use an indirect pathway to recognize minor histocompatibility antigens, which are polypeptides derived from host-specific polymorphic genes. But they are identified because they are presented by shared major histocompatibility complex molecules and matched allogeneic hematopoietic cell transplantation. The goal of clinical transplantation is to stimulate T-cells against tumor-specific minor histocompatibility antigens that are not present in normal tissues. 
This is to achieve a graft versus tumor activity in the absence of graft versus host disease. I see. My next question is, what is the composition of dendritic cells after allogeneic hematopoietic cell transplantation? Well, as we know, dendritic cells are terminally differentiated in a non-proliferative state. Thus, resistance to myeloablative regimens targeting dividing cells, including total body irradiation. In other words, host dendritic cells persisted with new donor-derived dendritic cells after allogeneic hematopoietic cell transplantation. Most chimerism studies have assessed conventional or myeloid dendritic cells. Rapid conversion of these cells to the donor type is determined, even though small residual host dendritic cells may persist for longer periods, especially after conditioning of reduced intensity. In one study, approximately 80% of the peripheral blood dendritic cells were derived from the donor 14 days after allogeneic hematopoietic cell transplantation. This proportion increased to more than 95% 56 days after transplantation. Then what does the conditioning regimen affect? The kinetics of dendritic cell mosaicism in peripheral tissues varies according to the conditioning regimen. Researchers have conducted a study on epidermal Langerhans cell mosaicism after allogeneic hematopoietic cell transplantation. They found that 40 days after allogeneic hematopoietic cell transplantation, an average of 97% of donor-derived Langerhans cells underwent full-intensity conditioning. In contrast, only 36.5% of donor-sourced Langerhans cells underwent low-intensity conditioning. At least 90% of Langerhans cells were not donor-derived by day 100. Donor chimerism is delayed in the presence of acute graft-versus-host disease. However, the presence of residual host dendritic cells can also be seen in the absence of acute graft-versus-host disease. To my knowledge, graft-versus-host disease is a common complication of allogeneic hematopoietic cell transplantation. It can result in significant morbidity and mortality. How are dendritic cells involved in this disease? Fundamentally, graft-versus-host disease is an inflammatory process mediated by the innate and adaptive arms of the immune system. Residual host and donor-derived dendritic cells are involved in the pathogenesis of graft-versus-host disease. Host-derived dendritic cells are critical for the induction of acute graft-versus-host disease in murine models. In contrast, donor-derived dendritic cells amplify acute graft-versus-host disease and may be involved in the development of chronic graft-versus-host disease. Tissue-resident, host-derived macrophages, and dendritic cells control the migration of alloreactive donor T-cells into tissues during the effector phase of graft-versus-host disease. This subsequently affects the local development of graft-versus-host disease in mice. I see. About graft-versus-host disease, I've read that studies have shown that dendritic cell homeostasis after transplantation influences the outcome of this disease. Could you elaborate a bit more on this? Sure. In the skin of commensal mice, Langerhans cells can self-renew from local precursor cells and retain their host origin for long periods. In the absence of graft-versus-host disease, Langerhans cells and dermal dendritic cells can survive myeloablative radiation for months after the transplantation of purified stem cells or T-cell-depleted bone marrow. The composition of dendritic cells depends largely on the presence or absence of graft-versus-host disease. 
In the absence of graft-versus-host disease, trace populations of low-level circulating precursors in the skin can substitute for Langerhans cells or dermal dendritic cells. These dendritic cells are present in secondary lymphoid tissues to maintain host-derived dendritic cells. In contrast, in the presence of graft-versus-host disease, the loss of dendritic cells outweighs the ability of native precursor cells to replenish host cells. This allows circulating donor bone marrow-derived dendritic cell precursors to fill the resulting void. Under what circumstances do elimination of host Langerhans cells and replacement by donor dendritic cells occur? In major histocompatibility complex mismatched allogeneic hematopoietic cell transplantation, elimination of host Langerhans cells and replacement with donor dendritic cells prevent cutaneous graft-versus-host disease. In addition, residual allogeneic T cells from donor bone marrow clear host dendritic cells from graft-versus-host disease target organs after being primed against host major or minor histocompatibility antigen. They are subsequently replaced by donor bone marrow-derived dendritic cells. Acute graft-versus-host disease in human skin was previously shown to be associated with full donor Langerhans cell chimerism. These findings again support the role of allogeneic T-cells in promoting donor Langerhans cell engraftment. Thanks for your explanation, Dr. Smith. I also would like to know that in peripheral tissues, which graft-versus-host disease is more associated with the resident population of dendritic cells? Based on findings in mice, those cells may be more relevant to acute graft-versus-host disease. In humans, host Langerhans cells decline after myeloablative conditioning. Recovery with donor Langerhans cells is then faster than with low-intensity pretreatment. In the absence of acute graft-versus-host disease, donor Langerhans cells return to pretransplant levels faster. But this recovery is more complete in the setting of acute graft-versus-host disease. This suggests a role for donor T-cells in promoting Langerhans cell engraftment. Dermal dendritic cell reconstitution can exhibit a similarly rapid turnover around 100 days post-transplantation, especially under reduced-intensity conditioning. The persistence of some host dermal dendritic cells is also okay. Co-expression of activation markers by conventional or myeloid dendritic cells in peripheral blood precedes clinically significant episodes of acute graft-versus-host disease. This suggests that monitoring such subpopulations in blood has predictive value. As things often interrelate with each other, does inhibiting graft-versus-host disease cause changes in dendritic cell numbers? Yeah. Dendritic cell numbers are affected by prophylactic and therapeutic immunosuppressive agents in graft-versus-host disease. Circulating dendritic cell levels decline during clinically significant acute graft-versus-host disease. This reflects the effects of treatment, more rapid turnover, and migration into tissues. Here, I would like to introduce several agents to help us understand this process. Alemtuzumab can rapidly deplete circulating host dendritic cells but it does not alter donor dendritic cell engraftment or deplete other dendritic cells lacking the CD52 target epitope. Cyclosporin A and tacrolimus impair antigen processing by dendritic cells. But like steroids, they are not selective and have broad effects on T cells by inhibiting calcineurin. Cyrolimus block signaling resulting from the ligation of several interleukin receptors in T cells and inhibits dendritic cell immunogenicity. 
Therefore, drugs that block dendritic cell function should modulate immune interactions of allogeneic hematopoietic cell transplantations. However, more targeted agents are still needed to achieve the maintenance of viral immunity and graft-versus-tumor effects, while eliminating graft-versus-host disease and avoiding excessive global immunosuppression and its attendant complications. Preconditioning donor stem cell sources and minimizing allogeneic T-cell responses with tolerized recipient dendritic cells may be considered. I've also read a report about studies in mice suggesting that host dendritic cells may play an important role in the graft-versus-tumor effect. This is especially true for those dendritic cells capable of cross-presenting tumor-specific antigens to donor T-cells. Could you tell us more about this? Sure. Host dendritic cells, either directly or through cross-presentation of tumor antigens, should induce at least a portion of the graft-versus-tumor response. I read a paper about the involvement of human graft-versus-tumor host dendritic cells. In this study, the combination of mixed chimerism and donor T-cells and dendritic cell subsets stimulated potent graft-versus-leukemia effects associated with graft-versus-host disease. In contrast, in patients with donor mosaicism in both T-cell and dendritic cell subsets, donor lymphocyte infusion resulted in a graft-versus-leukemia response without graft-versus-host disease. In the absence of concomitant tissue damage, persistent host Langerhans cells that migrate from the skin to draining lymph nodes can stimulate efficient graft responses against host antigens. This illustrates graft-versus-tumor without graft-versus-host disease in an MHC-matched mouse allograft model. This finding is also relevant to the immune effects mediated by donor lymphocyte infusions in the treatment of relapsed disease. If I understand correctly, the goal is to preferentially target minor histocompatibility antigens that are only expressed by tumor cells and not shared with normal tissues. This is to avoid overlapping development of graft-versus-host disease. It is interesting to maintain dendritic cells in an immature or semi-mature state to maintain graft-host tolerance while promoting graft-versus-tumor. That's all for today. Thanks for Dr. Smith's sharing and your listening. Today's episode is brought to you by Creative Biolabs. If you enjoyed this episode, feel free to check our website or subscribe to our channel from Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Thank you for listening. See you next time.